Welcome into Camel Call Friday a little later in the show. Evan Budrovich and I, Chris Haymeyer, we will take you through what's going to be another big weekend of Campbell sports, including football back home against what will be a new rival, Elon. But first, we are going to talk some swimming. Zach Bagby was named interim head coach of the Campbell Swimming Program in May. He has been here as an assistant for six years. And last year, another good year for Campbell Swimming. A third straight win at the TYR85 invite at Liberty in November. And then setting eight program records at the conference championship in Knoxville, Tennessee. In the classroom, swimming continuing to do as well as they do in the pool. They had the second highest semester GPA in program history with a 3.62 in the fall of 2022. Swimming season that is sort of a fall, winter, and spring sports will start up for this team September 29th to the 30th down in Jacksonville, Florida at the Osprey Invitational before coming back here at home. They will be at home for uh, two separate meets in October, one in early November. We'll talk all about that. But first, Coach, taking over the head job at this program, tell me how the transition has been and and all that you've had to do to uh, get everything ready for this season. Chris, thanks for having me. Um, It's uh, an honor. I'm excited. I'm enthusiastic about it. Um, I would not be where I'm at without Campbell Swimming. Um, I believe that in order to prepare, we've got to communicate a lot. We've sat down with uh, everybody on the team and we've talked about how we're going to prepare for their races, how we're going to go through our training and uh, how the competition schedule is going to align with that. Um, One of the things that we don't want to change is our academic standards. The, The team is very disciplined. They have great work ethic in the classroom and we want to keep allowing them and facilitating the girls on the team to uh, excel in the classroom. So we'll keep doing that. Um, what we're getting ready for uh, next weekend, is the Osprey invite, we're pretty quick into our training. Uh, we've, we've been training for about f- three and a half weeks, I'd say. And uh, we're excited to see what kind of benchmarks we can set for the rest of the season. Um, looking forward, uh, we're pretty excited to see what our fall invite looks like. Uh, we're we're gracious to go and hang out with Liberty for a weekend um, right before Thanksgiving, um, and uh, it's going to be a really good time. You are changing some ways of training, really making this and 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 shaping this into into how you want to run this program. Tell me a little bit about about how things are different and some of the new things that you're doing. Okay, without giving away too much, um, <laughs> uh, we'll, what we want to do is put our swimmers in the best position to to race uh, fast uh, as much as as much as they can, as often as they can, as frequently as they can. Um, so we really try to manage uh, work to rest ratios, um, making sure that they're they're able to sleep sometimes during the week, uh, making sure that uh, they're they understand their training, they're bought into it, they understand why they're doing what they're doing in the water. Um, there are some different things that we're doing, uh, but just last week we had some pretty good results in the water, so they were pretty happy with that. Um, we probably won't rest for a while, as far as like a taper or what people might call that. Um, what we are really trying to focus on is making sure that everybody comes into the pool deck and they have good energy and they're having fun. Because uh, like a lot of people might say, uh, you don't really practice swimming. You have to train it. Yeah. And um, 
in order to train that, it requires them to kind of jump through one wall after another after another. So we try to keep the pool deck light, peaceful, and uh, also we try to leverage some enthusiasm and get a little uh, hyped up before it, we go into the pool. It is just so much uh, swimmers, again, to compete, let alone be very good and and win races and win meets. It's so much training. I mean, you can't you, you got to get in there. You, you got to do it. It's funny. You said, you know, we're going to stay disciplined. Discipline, it seems like, is all that swimming is most of the time. So talk about what, what they go through, these the student athletes, to be at their best. Yeah, so our girls are up at 6 a.m. Um, we've got 6 a.m. practices Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So they're in the, more, in the pool then uh, for about an hour and a half. Uh, they got class right after the, afterwards. Uh, they're probably getting about an hour lunch break, and then they're going back to class before they go and lift on those days. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, they're going in, and uh, they might swim for an hour after some land activity. Um, we're, we're focused on being athletic on land um, and being able to move in ways that translate into the water. Um, when we go on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they go for another hour and a half swim, but they've got options based on their class schedules. Um, so they can come in the morning, um, which means that they might get up every morning at a, either 5.30 or 6 a.m. Um, and then in the afternoon, uh, we do the same thing for uh, the girls that can't make it. Maybe they have an 8 a.m. So we really try to make sure that we're facilitating whatever class schedules they have. We've got girls in nursing and pre-farm, uh, uh, engineering, and uh, a lot of rigorous courses. So um, we don't want them to sacrifice their class schedule at all. Um yeah. yeah yeah it's i mean you, you just rattled it off and i'm like i'm I, i'm getting tired just thinking about what the schedule is for your swimmers it's amazing and still you know i talk about you guys setting a high semester gpa that that's every single year if you guys aren't that aren't the highest in the athletic department you usually are academics is, is so important to this program it's been a bedrock yeah yeah uh well what we do at practice we try to make sure that the pool deck uh starts pretty quiet everybody kind of understands what's going on at practice they get to see what they're about to do for the, their training session um, and then the music gets really loud um, we work through that and what we try to do is kind of create a separation or kind of like a, a different space or different environment based on what like their classes or, or library time or time in their dorm when they're working on homework so we try to make a contrast between those two things we try to go really intense in the water um, when we are thinking about like their classwork and uh, how successful the team's been academically, it's it's all them. Um, that's that's we as a coach, we as coaches, I think people they can facilitate like a successful environment or place where where swimmers can find peace. Um, but swimmers, our girls especially, they all of that is. is should be credited to them they're they're just outstanding they they know what they want they know what they want to do after school and uh they're motivated to do that and i'm really proud of their performance in the classroom i would imagine that what you say right there is a big part of recruiting obviously uh just uh name the interim head a couple of months ago but you've been a part of this program for for over half a decade now done so much recruiting when you're recruiting when you're getting uh these true student athletes to come here for your program what, what are you telling them about this place and this program well one of the first things i tell them is that we're going to have five priorities we're going to make sure that they're eating well they're sleeping well they're able to study and like go to class 
easily. Um, and then their training, they understand their training and they're going to be able to understand what, what competition schedule they're going to have, what kind of race expectations they're going to have. So we try to keep our priorities simple and I introduce those first. Then we talk about just the environment and at academics that we have, um, and the priority that academics takes in, in their, their life as a student athlete. Um, a lot of students want to come to school, uh, to swim, um, but most importantly, they come either from all over the world or all over the United States so they can get an education. Um, so we make sure that that education uh, piece is, is important to them and that they understand maybe, even if they're undecided, what potential interests they have. Um, I think that, uh, that, that education is very important um, in that there's a lot of things that translate from swimming into education, um, work ethic, obviously they've been swimming forever. They, they know how to focus for hour and a half, two hours, sometimes even three hours at a time. Uh, so they're really good at being able to focus in class or focus on like one assignment, complete that assignment with determination and even attention to detail. Um, so that's another thing that we try to translate from swimming into the classroom or, or vice versa. We think that uh, attention to detail is really important. So a lot of our practices have different different things that they have to like make sure are happening. Uh, they have to do a certain amount of kicks off the wall or stroke count or something like that. Um, we think when we're recruiting, how how does the student athlete, how does that recruit see swimming in their life, and uh, how do they see like their their view or what is their vision for what they want to do with their academics. Wow. That's, uh, that's outstanding. And you certainly have been able to find the right fits time and time again. All right. A little bit, uh, about this season, uh, it starts off on the road and then, um, you come back home. The exciting thing about this season is Campbell swimming for the first time in a long time. They truly have a conference and a home, a conference that the rest of the campus is in as well. Let's talk about the CAA and, and what kind of conference it is for women swimming. It's a talented conference. It's a very, very talented conference. Um, when I think of the CAA, I see uh, UNCW, Towson, Northeastern, uh, not to mention William & Mary. Uh, these are programs uh, that, that are outstanding there at the top of the conference, but they're also putting swimmers at the NCAA championship level um, as mid-major schools, which is uh, outstanding. Um, joining, the, joining the CAA, I think so far, we just had media day and to just kind of put a little humor out there. Um, the team is really excited about using this grid for media day where they get to stand in a corner and they have like the camels <laughs> behind them in yeah. the CAA uh, logo and everything. So the the girls on the team, they're they're happy to celebrate being a part of a conference that the rest of the school's in. And uh they're they're really stoked to just be able to compete at, at the same level as the rest of the university. Um coming from the CCSA, we had schools like Liberty, UNC Asheville, Florida Gulf Coast. Last year, Queens joined the conference. That was an electric environment, and um, I'm really excited to see just how electric the the other schools in the CAA create uh, the conference championship. 
um, like I said, they're, they're really excited. And uh, what it's done is motivated us to kind of step up our, our level of performance and our, our quality of, of training and preparation when we're at, uh, when we're at practice. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You were a, a national qualifying swimmer at, uh, at St. Andrews. How did you go from that into the coaching game? What, what, what attracted you to this uh, not very easy life? Originally, I, um, I wanted to go into either sales or some sort of logistics. Um, I was interested in, in, in coaching uh, just maybe part-time. Uh, and I coached summer leagues. I coached club teams uh, while I was in college. And um, I am just grateful for the opportunity that I was given here um, right out of school um, to kind of just try it out. Um, and as a first year coach, uh, there's a lot invested in me going to, uh, the CSCAA, uh, coaching convention to kind of understand like, what is it actually like to be a division one coach? And, um, after, after that kind of experience there, along with, uh, just a, a tremendous a, sub, amount of support from the women's team at that time, um, I have just, uh, developed a, a passion for, for Campbell swimming, um, and, uh, Thanks to thanks to my mentors and uh, the people that guide me in my life as a coach and just personally, uh, coaching and swimming have just become a really really exciting thing for me. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Another exciting thing about you is uh, is your travel um, and what you've done. I know we've talked about this uh, a few times. You got some great. Uh, opportunities in college to, to to really spend some time in some in, in some faraway countries, but also too, you are a a big scuba diver. Now, do you still get time to do that? Where I know when you are taking over a program, you probably didn't have a uh, a minute of free time or vacation time. But uh, where have you gone? Where where have you gone lately? And and talk about your scuba diving. Why does that attract you so much? The last time I went scuba diving, actually, it was, uh, I went to the Cayman Islands and, uh, I was with my, my, my dad and his wife and we had a great time. I, I think that scuba diving is really cool because it is a whole different world. Um, no doubt. So swimming is all about competitive yeah. swimming is all about breathing <laughs> yeah. and yeah. scuba diving is all about breathing, not above the surface. Yeah. So, um, uh, I I think that travel first off like to answer your first point is um that that's also one of the things that kind of brought me here. I was looking for kind of like a part-time job before going to travel to India. And um when I was offered a position um to just kind of work and coach the club here, um I came back from India and there was an opening for the assistant coaching position and uh, I took that. Um and everything else from there is history, but being able to travel is something where you get to experience different different cultures um, and, and understand people with different backgrounds, just completely different backgrounds, um, how they're brought up or how they're raised um, and what kind of values they have. Um, I think that's been really cool in learning how to connect with people. That's been very valuable. Um, and also just learning what goes into moving from one part of the planet to another part of the planet logistically that's yeah. just uh a really it can be overwhelming but you know taking it one step at a time um and understanding the whole process of all the costs and in moving and traveling uh that that's something i think that everybody should have some sort of experience with um 
as far as like scuba diving, um, it is, it's a different world. You got to learn how to breathe. And, um, if you go to the right places, it's, uh, it, it can be really kind of inspiring just to kind of like swim around with like manta rays or, or turtles or, you know, you see like eels or something or yeah. barracuda. It's, it's terrifying and beautiful at the same time. Okay. That's what I was saying. My, <laughs> my, my whole th- to not even start that is the whole, you know, I mean, it's like you're in space, you have the one air tank. And if something goes wrong with that, why should I not be scared to start scuba dive training? Oh, well, I think the fear is probably a good oh, thing so, to have. It's so you're good. saying, okay, so, so, so <laughs> no, you're saying that's you, part of the rush of it, yeah, huh? Yeah, it, it'll keep you safe at least. Um, <laughs> that's the first step is kind of keeping yourself safe. Um, uh, it, a reason too is just to experience kind of just that, that ultimate, like, you know, a lot of the planet, I don't know the, the percentage, I don't remember, but a, there's a lot of the planet that's Man. surrounded by water. And you got to understand the importance of that um, for for the planet's health and also just for, you know, we're drinking water right here. It's it's really important. Um, there's a lot of plant life down there, everything. Yeah. So uh, you, you got to experience that. It's like uh, going to a rainforest underwater. You go to a coral reef. It's uh, It's beautiful. Wow. All right. You've, you've almost convinced me. Maybe we'll talk about my first scuba diving uh, attempt when we come back. Coach Bagby, thank you so much for, for being on the show. He will uh, lead his uh, team to Jacksonville, Florida, September 29th through the 30th, the Osprey Invitational. And then their first home meet will be here, October 6th, Friday at 4 p.m. against UNC Asheville. Admission is free. Uh, go to GoCamels.com to see the entire schedule. We'll be back after the break. Evan and I will get you set for this weekend at Campbell Sports. Thanks, Chris. Welcome back to Camel Call Friday. Thank you for joining us with Evan Budrovich. I'm Chris Haymeyer. You can find us where you're finding us now. Also, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. This drops every Friday. Also, don't miss our Camel Call live show Monday from 6.30 to 7.30 at the county seat. Evan Budrovich will be the guest host. Thank you so much. And uh, not only Campbell head coach Mike Minter, but also uh, men's soccer head coach we Dustin Finder. We might talk Finder. about engineering major and dive into some of the classes he took. I mean, now that you are on the university side, you are going to really dive into uh, what it took to do that. Yeah, that's the... We don't bring that up enough that Mike Minter, All-American at Nebraska, he is in their Hall of Fame. He was there when Nebraska was, was basically the level. Alabama of college football. They won every year back-to-back national championships. And that was before they had the best four teams to do it. Like, you really had to work scheduling to do it in back-to-back national championships. And an engineering major. And I actually asked him one time, I'm like, did you really go to class or did this give that to you? You know, I mean, it was back in the 90s. He's like, yep, I'm an engineering I, I major. Class, yeah. <laughs> and he's an engineering major. Engineering is hard if you don't even play an intramural sport, but yet he was doing that. So so there you go. Thanks. I mean, Evan, who knows what else Evan is going to bring up on the show. 6.30 to 7.30. You can listen live. We'll also have it on the Camel Call Live podcast. All right, Evan. Football. Camels return home 6 p.m. this Saturday to take on soon-to-be conference rival Elon. The Phoenix, of course, just 90 minutes away. It'll be 6 p.m. on Saturday. And before we talk about the Elon game, Campbell with their best road victory ever. 
A 23-7 deficit they faced with four minutes to go in the second quarter. They flipped the script, scored 24 straight, beat a good Monmouth team in West Long Branch, New Jersey, 45-31. to Campbell won one road game last year. Think of how many times this program has been in 23-7 to deficits to Monmouth, right? Back to its Big South early era. Monmouth came in here and stomped Campbell with the running game. Campbell lost their three games against Monmouth when they were Big South opponents by a total of 20, an average of 23 points. You're right. They got stomped by this team. So you're in a similar spot, second quarter. I'm on the golf course with Charles Phillips, friend of the program. You work hard and play hard. So we're we're loading the game on Flow Sports on our phone. And I said, oh man, it's Nerds. 23 to seven. Good thing I had a good drive on this last hole, but this is the Campbell trap game. You, you play well against Citadel, you're in a trap. And then Nakari Rogers comes out of nowhere and runs for 150 plus and, and three touchdowns. Hodge is efficient as ever. I know in the first half, he didn't get a lot of first downs, but they're moving the ball late in the first half and that big field goal before halftime. And you're like, okay, we're back in it. Now we have a lead. We get a couple stops fourth quarter. The defense played much better, yeah. especially against the run, not a big interception or sack team, but played enough third and longs. They could get some stops and the DBs great job deflecting yeah. passes. And then that offense just kept rolling. I mean, they had the ball for, what, 17 minutes and and put up 45 points and over 400 yards. And now they're fifth in the country in scoring. And this isn't – well, Mary's got a good defense. If yeah. you're putting up 20-plus against them, you're doing it right. Monmouth, borderline playoff team, probably not, but a team that will be in the hunt. And then Citadel, a team you should beat. So they've proven the last two weeks that they are now in the conversation. And it's only two and one, but – if they play at this level, they're going to be in the conversation for a playoff berth. I mean, so many great things you mentioned there. Number one, the scoring. 101 points is what they have scored the last two weeks. I don't care who you play. The, the Citadel is not very good. Um, they're, they're, they're not a very good team. But Monmouth is a good team, as you said, is going to be a team that that is going to win some games this year. And they hung 45 on them. Then you go all the way back to William & Mary, number four team in the country. They were able to put up 24 to them. So to score 125 points through your first three games is incredible. The other good point you make is, look, th- this game is huge. And this is what makes the CAA so much fun. This is a conference that has... A lot of football teams in it. I think this year they're hanging around 14. It's not just the automatic the qualifier. They have gotten in three, four, five teams at times into, into the C into the NCAA playoffs. Back in the Big South with such few teams and it was a top heavy conference. If you didn't win the conference, you were not going to the NCAA tournament. Remember, Monmouth in nineteen yeah. was the first at large since the Coastal right. Carolina era. It had been it had been almost six or seven years since an at large made it in the Big South. Now five yep. in the CA last year, and three of them won tournament games. And what makes it so exciting is you have eight conference games. And talking to uh, Taylor Durham, who is uh, in the legendary Durham family, and the announcer at Elon, and a great guy talking to him, he said, "Look, you know, in the CAA, and Elon has just been in the CAA for about a decade. Hey, in football, you're you're trying to win five conference games." You're trying to win seven overall games, and that is usually enough to get you into the playoffs. And that's a lot of fun because it doesn't put that pressure on you like Campbell has had in the past. They've lost a conference game midway through the season, and they realize that they aren't going to get into the NCAA tournament. That's why this Elon game is so big because you kind of look at the schedule and see 
Both Campbell and Elon are probably going to need this game if you're thinking playoffs. There's a long way to go, but if you want to build your resume, you win this game, and then you see what happens uh, next week against uh, 18th-ranked NC Central. Not going to be easy. Their quarterback, Elon's record one and two, they lost to Gardner-Webb by one minute at Gardner-Webb. But in that game, they were juggling two quarterbacks, the quarterback that they pretty sure were going to be their quarterback and will be the quarterback uh, this weekend was a walk-on in Georgia, Went to TCU, played a little bit, who was runner-up in the national championship, and then started at Louisiana Lafayette before a knee injury. He's rusty. He's coming back. They put him in at the end of that Gardner-Webb game. He scored three touchdowns. If that game would have been five minutes longer, they would have beat a Gardner-Webb. So, so this is a team that has figured out who their quarterback is. They have a Virginia Tech running back who is very good. So it's a couple of FBS guys that are running the show offensively. And they absolutely dominated A&T. Yep. That game was not close. I, I saw it. I was on local TV in Greensboro last week. 27-3. Yeah. And A&T scored in the fourth quarter of that field goal. It was not a close game. Now, the one thing with Elon, you remember two years ago, that was the Hodge Malik Williams go for two. Game was very close here. Davis Cheek was the quarterback, and he was slinging the ball around the field. They don't have that type of offense, but we struggled to move the ball against Elon in that game. Now, a much better offense. I think VJ Wilkins has developed as a, another threat to Kelsey. If we can get those receivers involved, which Whedon has done, yeah, it really diversifies the offense a little bit. I mean, eleven different receivers have have made catches. You, you go back to that Monmouth game. You, you know, Nakari Rogers, who was running back number two, he's a CAA Offensive Player of the Week with 152 yards and three TDs. And Hodge played well. But he wasn't Superman, and he didn't have to be. In in games where he has a average game, those are usually games that are hard for Campbell to win, but the running game took a lot off of him. And boy, that's a dangerous Hodge Malik Williams when he doesn't have to be amazing on every single play. And when the offensive line is healthy. That was our downfall last year. Mike Edwards and Tyler McClellan in a two-week span. Obviously, they crushed Central, and then McClellan went out. Edwards goes out a week or two later. We just couldn't pass protect. And you put those two guys with Isaiah Birch in the middle. They've had so much time. Now, Hodge is a runner by nature, but there's not the pressure we've seen in years past. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And and at quarterback, Hodge Malik Williams has not been turning the ball over. The team looks really, really good. The, the challenge is, and again, I hear you, Campbell, usually a lack of depth. Middle of October through into November, that's when things go wrong. They have a lot of depth at a lot of positions, which I think is going to set them up better. But what is different this year, unlike the Big South, where there were one or two big games a year, this every week you play a team from the CAA, 90% of the time it's going to be a team that if you don't play well, you're going to lose. And you can play well and lose. And that's what this game is coming up against Elon. Elon's a great point. And then, too, think of just the home atmosphere being on the road the last two weeks. And the first home game, yes, there was a good student crowd. A little tougher with weather, weekend, atmosphere. I mean, 6 o'clock on a Saturday night is perfect. The rain will be out of town. I'm not a meteorologist, but imagine my hands just like turning on a map showing you the forecast. And then, too, this is the regional rival we'd asked for. Yes. Gardner-Webb had started that in the Big South with yeah. the barbecue bowl and all that, but... Now with the regionality of playing A&T and Elon every year for the next decade, we will see these two programs in, our, in Barker Lane Stadium. Yeah, really, really fun. Elon, again, private school, 
sort of the same profile as Campbell. They've been doing it for a little bit longer. Athletic-wise, they are ahead in football, but but this is a big game. And when Campbell played this team, as you mentioned a couple years ago, it was just a one-point game here. So it, it should be fun. I'm glad you mentioned that because, look, if there's a 40% chance of rain, that means there's a 60% chance it's not going to rain, Evan. I'm glad you said that. Meteorologist Evan Budrovich, weather on the ones here on Camel Call Friday, 6 o'clock Saturday night. Traffic on the twos. Pepsi Tailgate Town <laughs> opens at 3. Live music as we have Adam Lee Decker. If you know the guy that usually does the uh, national anthem at the Carolina Hurricanes and is really, really good, that's the guy. He's going to be here playing more than the national anthem, but Pepsi Tailgate Town, live music. It's going to be a lot of fun as well. Okay, volleyball. You can start your Saturday with the uh, volleyball team. They will take on William at Mary at 1 p.m. at Gore Arena. That's free, so you can hit volleyball and then go over uh, to the football game. They will also take on, the volleyball team will take on William & Mary. This is how they do it this year because of travel. They go Saturday and Sunday, so you play each team twice they will take them on sunday at 1 p.m volleyball with a really really good road split at delaware first conference weekend of the year that bodes good for this volleyball team that that still is not completely healthy it shows we saw this two years ago in the big south how do you handle losing to a team and then coming back or how do you beat a team and respond delaware is going to make the playoffs only six of the 14 get in so half the league doesn't Campbell has shown they're in that top six. Now, they still have to play Towson. They play a good Charleston team. William & Mary is beatable, but can you beat them twice, right? And that's the mindset shift that we've seen from this Campbell team. Melody Page, an all-conference week. She set a blocks record last weekend. She set a hit percentage record, hit over 700 in a match. Like, wow. If they can keep her rolling in the middle. And then in this one set of rotation, little Maddie Converse, who was a recruited walk-on and is now – kind of the full setter yeah. and she runs the show and McKenna shock out with the concussion. She's figuring it out and doing a better job. So I, I think this team could win the next, let's see, William & Mary, UNCW. Those are four wins they could easily rack up before Towson. Yeah, come on out and support them before the football game. 1 p.m. on Saturday, or 1 p.m. on Saturday, 11 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, both of these matches will, uh, will be for free. Um, at Gore Arena. Okay, our soccer teams after a big week at home last week, they are both on the road. Women's soccer will be at the College of Charleston, 4 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, we had a great conversation with uh, Campbell head women's soccer coach Jeff Gross. It's on the second half of the Campbell Call Live podcast. I, I invite you to listen. He said a lot of good things, but to really sort of, uh, sort of give you the Cliff Notes version of it, look, he, he knows his team 0-2-2 in conference, but just three points out of the qualifying spot for the conference tournament. They have eight matches left. Also, they've already played the top three teams. He really thinks this team is going to go on the run and get some points. And this has been a team, so many close matches. They've had three ties overall. And of their other six matches, five of them have been decided by one goal. That is how close they've been from an 0-2-2 record looking like a 3-1 and record or a 3-0-1. and Well, I was at the Northeastern match calling on Flow Sports they had all the chances to score. And even against Towson, it's 1-1 until the last 10 minutes and Towson goes ahead. That That's a match you could easily get back. I think that's the challenge in this league. There aren't, I know Hampton's still in the CAA, but there aren't five opponents like Hampton where you just show up and win 8-0. You have to earn these wins. And that's, that's what we had asked of this team. They're young. They're still figuring out their attack, but 
if they can ride this great defense that they have, it that'll give them a chance to win. Yeah, yeah, I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna make the the the, the conference tournament, especially with the time that they have. And you mentioned that that solid defense. 1.33 goals against average as they've been piecing it together. Um, th- that really tells you something, and the goals the goals will happen. Really the same scenario for men's soccer. You, you look at their record. They're 0-1-2 in conference. They will travel to Wilmington on Saturday. That'll be the a tough game. The Derby. No doubt, no doubt, as uh, as as the Cape, the Cape Fear Derby, um, as uh, Zach Burley calls it. But they are just one point out of qualifying for the conference tournament. They have five matches to go. I think it's a it's a similar thing. They need to get fully healthy. They need to find the back of the net. And once it happens, it happens. And I think that's a team that's going to get into the playoffs as well. They're always well coached under Dustin Fonder. And there's never a worry that they're not prepared. Yep. Think of three of their tie-loss combos. They've given up goals in the last five minutes. This is a team that is right on the edge of earning points. They just haven't closed out matches. Now this... Cape Fear River Derby that you talk about. Wilmington is low in points. Campbell's right above them. Yeah, You, you almost have to win this match. Yep. I know it's not a must win, but from a morale and then from a point standpoint, you can't fall too far behind the top six. Now, look, uh, we've been used to talking about the women's, men's and women's soccer team hosting the conference tournament here in the, in the CAA. If you're uh, first or second, you host the first couple of rounds, six get in. And then if you're the, the last uh, remaining high seed, you will host the championship. Both of these teams, unless they basically go undefeated, aren't going to do that. But you know what? In this first year in the CAA, so much unknown about them. I really like the fact if, if both men's and women's soccer can, can can play and get into the tournament, they want to pressure on them for the first time in a long time. Getting to the conference tournament this year in the first year is the accomplishment. And I'd like to see what both these teams that have championship pedigrees, that know what it takes to win in the postseason, that have good coaches, if they get in as a fourth or fifth seed to see what they can do. I mean, that would be really, really fun. And how about a trip in the middle of November, if you will, to New York? Or to Boston. Yeah. And, and I know on one hand, you think of the weather and kind of the whole New York City vibe around Christmas, but that part of it's pretty neat too. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Going to Longwood on a Tuesday in a Big South tournament match isn't the same as flying to Stony Brook and playing, you know, on a Friday night in the middle of New York. I, I think there's just an element of that yeah. that adds to the investment, the excitement, and it's, it's, it's a more serious matchup. Absolutely. And, uh, Women's soccer head coach Jeff Crow says a good thing about what the CAA has meant already to his team uh, and recruiting. So you can hear that while you're listening to this. Just go back in episode. Men's and women's tennis doing their fall season as they hit the court as well. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to see you in the creek on Saturday, volleyball and football. All the information at GoCamels.com. Pepsi Tailgate Town opens at 3 before the 6 o'clock start for the football game. For Evan, I'm Chris saying so long and thanks for tuning in. This has been Camel Call Friday. (laughs) 